thankful because you have been so good, so good to each one of us. Maybe this week has been difficult for some of us, but Lord, overall, you are faithful. And Lord, as we have sung this morning, thank you for your presence. You are here with us, and you love us, and you care for us. Lord, you told us that you could give up nations to ransom us, your beloved. Thank you for that love. And thank you that you can gather together this morning to worship you. Father, we pray that you would speak to each one of us, open our inner ears, open our eyes to see who you are, and that, Father, we need you each and every day. Thank you again for loving us and for all that you've done for us in Jesus' holy name. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. Oh, I have some help. Uh, this morning to give the announcement. My name is Otien. I'm one of the elders, and uh, I'll have uh, Aiden here help me with, my, with the announcements. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Good morning, and welcome to Maranatha. Please greet those around you. If you're new here, thank you for coming. If you would like to connect with the church, we have some yellow little slips. You can find these either in front of your seats or we have some on a table in the back. I'm in Kodesh, I'm going to share a few announcements today. So first, on February 4th, which is the next Sunday, we'll be playing the movie Amazing Grace, which is going to be after second service. We're going to have lunch first, and then we're going to have the movie, and we're going to, a popcorn and ice cream are going to be provided. Stan Stobrell is leading the men's study on humility by Andrew Murray. Um, it's going to start in February on Wednesdays from 9 to 10.30 a.m. If you're interested, you can sign up in the welcome desk, and books for the study are $6. Men's breakfast is coming up on Saturday, the 10th, February 10th at 7 a.m. in the fellowship hall. All men are invited and, um, to join us for food, fellowship, and fun. If you would like to donate to the Baby Bottle Fundraiser for the Pregnancy Home Center, we have baby bottles in a basket in the lobby that you can fill up with change or checks. Please return the bottles either to um, the front desk or to Pastor Aaron by February 25th. And if you'd like to join a small group, please let the, there's a clipboard um, in the front lobby um, that you can sign up for. And lastly, right, at, um, right after first service today, there's gonna be a meeting for the mission team going to France in this room. And now I'd like to ask Pastor Tony to celebrate the District's Youth Conference. Thanks, Aiden. Thanks, OT. So last, uh, uh, this, we had our, our district youth conference again, um, and uh, it took me about two weeks this year to recover from that uh, as I'm getting older. Um, we had a very exciting uh, time trying to get over there with a blizzard hitting Green Bay, and so we scrambled and we left three, year, three years, three hours earlier. Um, 
we were hoping to actually maybe even leave the night before, but we had rental vans and couldn't get those until that next morning. And but we got on the road uh, three hours earlier than we planned, which was great. Uh, we did still end up having a vehicle in the ditch and uh, several get stuck in parking lot. A parking lot. Once we got to Green Bay, it was chaotic. All of the restaurants were closed down. We almost didn't get our supper, but. Uh, yeah, it was it was very um, eventful, but the, it was wonderful to get there. There were quite a few churches that actually didn't make it, um, didn't chose not to go because of the blizzard. Um, so we were so glad that we were able to make it. We were able to get there safely and and enjoy um, being there. Uh, we had a, a great group of students and leaders that uh, were a part of the event this year. Um, Brandon Early was the speaker. I thought personally that he did a, a wonderful job. He was focusing on the life of Peter and. Uh, he, one of the things that he talked about that I just want to highlight is from Acts, um, from Acts 2, um, I think it was in Acts 2.41, he talked about um, the unschooled, um, oh no, it was Acts 4.13, sorry, Acts 4.13, the Sanhedrin saw the boldness of Peter and John and that they were uneducated, ordinary men, um, you know, and as they thought about these people who were just kind of regular dudes but they had been with Jesus, and because they had been with Jesus, their lives were radically transformed. And so that was, there's a lot of different things. We had some great conversations. We had some good belly flop competitions in the swimming pool. I think Andre won this year. Um, uh, we did, Michelle did put together a highlight video. It's a little bit longer than what we have time to share with this morning, but if you want to check it out, it is on the Soul Garage website. So you can go to thesoulgarage.com and you can check out uh, the re- rewind video from there. And uh, just kind of get a little taste of what we experienced there. Thank you so much for those who support students financially sometimes with scholarships. Thank you for those who um, supported us by providing cheese curds um, on the drive over there. That was wonderful. And, uh, and thank you for your ongoing prayers as we, you know, we certainly hope that what happens in Green Bay doesn't stay in Green Bay, that it, that it leads to ongoing transformation in the lives of the students and us as leaders as well. I mean, leaders are really blessed often during the times there as well. Um, And just connecting with students, building those relationships, getting to know them better. And so, yes, thank you for that, your support for the youth ministry and our time at districts this year. I'll invite Pastor Cody up. youth ministry, a youth pastor, and it was it your birthday yesterday? It was. It was. Look at his face like, oh man. <laughs> if you recall last Sunday, I talked about how I'm an extrovert and Tony might be an introvert. Right now he's like, please let me sit down. In fact, the first year I was here, when I was birthday, I was like, let's have a big party. He's like, why are we? he's laughing right now. Why are we having a big party? But I just want to take a moment and pray over Pastor Tony. That picture, he was sleeping on the steps. You know, he he puts more time than we can imagine into not just the youth, but the families that we have. And many of you that have had youth go through the youth ministry, and currently you know that is true. So let's take a moment, and would you join me praying for the youth and for Pastor Tony. Father God, we are very blessed to have Pastor Tony a part of our lives. He is not just an employee here. He is not just a pastor He is a comrade for the gospel. He is a friend. He is a laborer for the kingdom of God, investing so much time. He and Michelle put so much time into our church, into our youth. He's been here for many, many years. And we pray that you would bless the ministry that they do. We are excited about how they are going through just understanding 
sexuality in a biblical perspective Sunday mornings at the Sunday school. We were excited that they are going every Wednesday night. They're, well, not every, because sometimes they're out skating or having fun, but they're studying deep the Word of God. They're going through the book of Revelation right now and, and taking time just to learn about what you have prepared for us and what we should be doing in this world. So we thank you for all the volunteers. We thank you for the safety of getting to Green Bay and back, and we thank you for all that has happened. We continue to ask that you bless the ministry, and we thank you for his birthday. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Happy birthday, Tony. <clears throat> Poor Tony stuck with a guy like me. Oh, all right. I will never forget, it was about six years ago, seven years ago, a few pastors and I from the area, from Rice Lake, we went to Minnesota, and <clears throat> of course I had my Packer stuff on, and we were there for a training of ministers, a unique training, and during, right in the beginning of the training, they said, all right, tell who you are and, and wh why you're here and what kind of ministry you do. So we were all sharing about the pastorate and, and different things. And one person got up and said, you know, I recently retired and I had nothing to do, so I thought ministry would be fun. I was like, oh, wow, okay. But as this person began to share, I realized this person had no idea of being called by God, being empowered by God, and the humility and seriousness that is about to come before this person. For them, it was like, I had nothing else to do, but hey, I might as well be a minister. And I sat there going, wow, get ready. As you know, as we're going through the book of Acts here for the next year and a half, almost every Sunday we're going to cover someone, probably take five to ten minutes. As you saw on the screen, next Sunday we're going to hear about William Wilberforce. Anybody know who that is? A few of you do, some of you don't. We're going to hear about him, and then we're going to have a meal together. We're just going to have simple sloppy joes, and if you come for the meal, just bring a bag of chips or something on the side. I mean, for me, it's just meat. That's all you need. But if you want to bring, like some, like, are they called vegetables? Yeah, they're called vegetables. You can bring that if you want. We're going to watch this movie and learn about someone empowered by the Lord to do mighty things for the kingdom and for this world. Let me briefly talk about someone. We'll hear more about this person in the middle of the summer, I believe. In 1735, a man named John Wesley decided to go to Savannah, Georgia and serve as a missionary. During that time, he, later in life, he says he recalled this, he acknowledged that he did not yet know what it meant to have a relationship with God. Can you imagine someone going on the mission field not having a relationship with God? This will be fun. Or be empowered by the Holy Spirit. He served only out of obligation and duty. He stayed in Savannah for two years, but at the end of that time of his ministry, it amounted to nothing. And he exited with a romantic scandal. Can you minister 
without a relationship with God? I, I would say no. Although we do have, unfortunately, many people ministering, even in the pulpits, not knowing truly God. Or here's what Augustine, we'll hear about Augustine. I don't know when on our calendar we've got Augustine. Without God, what am I? But a guide without direction. So as you learned last Sunday, we are about to get into the book of Acts. And the Lord is going to guide us. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be challenging. Already I've been challenged. I've been working on this. So would you join me in a word of prayer before we get into the word? Lord, we come before you because we know that you are the master, your Lord, your above all things, and we are your servants. And Lord, we humbly come before you and we ask that you would guide us this morning. This morning there's going to be a lot of data, there's going to be a lot of thought. But I pray that you would stop us, you would arrest us, you would cause us to pause and look at our hearts and go, do we truly know you? Do we have a relationship with you? And Lord, what are we without you? We are without direction. So I pray you guide us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, if you could grab your Bibles, go to the book of Acts. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in front of you. If not, you probably got one on your phone. The book of Acts. It is the fifth book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are the Gospels. And we've got Acts. Acts is this historical narrative full of theology. And as we learned last week, it's part two, volume two. Luke wrote the gospel according to Luke, talking about the story of Jesus. Now Acts is the continuing story of Jesus. And we ended with Luke writing the gospel on the great, if not the greatest note of all. Christ has risen and he ascended. That's the greatest thing of all. Now what is the big question? Jesus continues his work. Again, the book of Acts isn't like, okay, here we go. He first wrote about the gospel of Luke. Here's Jesus. Now, Acts here is kind of the church and all. Really, it's the Acts of Jesus. He continues his work. The coming of the Spirit will launch and make possible everything the church is about to do in this book. And as I talked about last week, there's many themes we could call the book of Acts. The acts are the actions of God the Father. The acts of Jesus as people continue to follow his words. The acts of the Holy Spirit. The acts of prayer. The acts of worship. A little side note about worship. We have been meeting with the worship arts director search committee team for a couple times for the last couple months and we're excited as we're looking at different possibilities of getting a part-time person as a worship arts arts director and you can learn more about that as the committee has met together prayed together as we're getting stuff out so the acts of prayer the acts of worship the acts of the church going out and the acts of mission so each sunday that's going to be one of my titles the act the witness of the Holy Spirit, the witness of the church, the witness of missions. 
Today we've got the witness of the Holy Spirit. And then each Sunday we will cover a lot of theology, a lot of topics. So I've encouraged you, in fact, I've got one left here. Get a book. Get, look like a notebook. We, if you want, I'll buy some more if you didn't get one. The book of Acts, so you can kind of take notes. Again, all of our notes that we got here will be online. That uh, Normally Sunday or Monday we get those online. So all my notes will be online there. So now let's take a look at the passage that we're at. Acts chapter 1, starting with verse 4. On one occasion, while he, Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So what I want to do is now take some time and talk about the Holy Spirit. As you recall, what we're going to do is we go through the book of Acts. We're going to take a section, and this is a a shorter section. Sometimes we're going to take big chunks. I'm going to pull just one part. Not every story in the book of Acts will cover in major, major detail. But what I want to do is also talk about the theology and what we know and we can learn from Scripture about this. So let's talk about God the Spirit. The Trinity is three equally divine persons. In fact, I would write that down, memorize that line. It's a great summary of what the Bible teaches about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three equally divine persons not just one person and we'll talk more about the trinity in the future here but the holy spirit also is not just the third party often in churches like ours we get god the father we talk about jesus all the time and then the holy spirit's kind of like the third party the friend that just kind of hangs around in the background like i'm here he is not the third less important god he is god And often, we've set aside the Holy Spirit in a lot of evangelical churches. We've kind of go, well, the Holy Spirit's absolutely there, and we don't talk much about the Holy Spirit. And with that, I believe we miss out on the power that we can be using as we minister in this world. We are like Samson who cut our hair and have no power. During our study in the book of Acts, we will take much time to learn about the Holy Spirit and what He does and the gifts He gives and what that looks like today. So not all is going to be packed in today. This is kind of just like an introduction of the Holy Spirit. As we get in different chapters, chapter 9, chapter 13, I've mapped out like, here's we're going to talk about all the different aspects of this aspect of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, who is God, is the third person of the Trinity. He comes from the Father, and is sent by Jesus. The work of the Holy Spirit is to empower and manifest the active presence of God in this world through the church. And there are five major works, major actions, that the Holy Spirit does. Five major works and roles. So let me just talk briefly about these and we again in the future we're going to take maybe a whole sunday talking about maybe one of these aspects these are five things the holy spirit does what he's about number one and this is very important he glorifies jesus he glorifies 
Jesus. In fact, as you go through, let's say, the Gospel of John, Jesus gives, he gives five chapters, chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. And in that, he's kind of preparing the disciples. They have no idea really what he's talking about because they're, as you will see here, they're like, oh, you'll be around forever. You're God, so we'll, we'll figure this out. He's kind of saying, guess what? I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's primary thing is to glorify. Glorify and make the beauty and the greatness of Jesus known. For instance, John 16, 14. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit is all about glorifying Jesus. I've got a pastor friend, not in this area, so don't try to figure out who it is. I've got a pastor friend who at their church, every Sunday, it's about the Holy Spirit. Every Sunday is about the Holy Spirit. And they want to have different examples of the Holy Spirit, different manifestations of the Holy Spirit, and different experiences and they have uh, definitely stuff that we don't happen in our church that happens in their church. But every Sunday is about the Holy Spirit. I have no problem talking to the Holy Spirit. In fact, you're going to find us talking about the Holy Spirit a lot. But my problem is, is all we do is focus on the Spirit. I personally believe, based out of what we learn in Scripture, the Spirit would be like, no, I'm about glorifying Jesus. And we'll learn this. Anything that you might say, well, that's the Spirit working. If it's only all about the Spirit, maybe it's not the Spirit working. Because the primary goal of the Spirit is to what? Glorify Jesus. If out of what's happening, Jesus is glorified, awesome. In fact, we'll learn that from Jonathan Edwards. Someone will be sharing about Jonathan Edwards. He talked about these religious affections that people are having. There's a lot of movement. Revival is happening. And he was like, okay, we can have expressions of the Holy Spirit, but if it doesn't point us to Jesus, is that really the Spirit? So number one, he glorifies Jesus. Number two, he reveals and convicts and calls us He's the one that works in the conversion process as the agent who encourages us to be convicted of sin. On my own, my own sinful desires, I would just be gratified by the sin, and guess what? I'd end up at the justice center right next to it's the jail. All right? No, it's going to lead me nowhere. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin, guides us in that area, not only does it convict us of sin, in addition, the Spirit is at work as the agent that converts us so we would be born again, that we would be Christians. He is the one that convicts us and calls us. We see this in John 15, 26, in John 16, verse 8. He is the one that does this. Number three, he's the one that adopts us into his family. I love that. We see this in Ephesians. We see this in Ephesians chapter 1. We see this in Romans chapter 8. In John, the Holy Spirit's role is the one who adopts us into his family. Number four, he sanctifies us. That's just a fancy word to say. He helps us in our spiritual growth. He works to make us 
more and more like Christ. It is our cooperation with the Spirit that helps us fight sin. It helps us be killing sin so it doesn't kill us. That's the aspect that the Spirit does. Every day, He helps us in the life of freedom so that the power that we have comes from Him and we're not overcome by the power of sin itself. Number five, He empowers us to do ministry. At the end of my sermon here, I'm going to finish what happened with John Wesley. And I said later, we're going to hear, I think I'm a, I've got John Wesley twice throughout this next year and a half. He's an amazing person who was empowered by the Holy Spirit to do amazing things. He gives us power to do the ministry. He's called us as we follow him. It's so important to have our ear ready to say, okay, Lord, what do you want? In fact, this past week, I had an opportunity to do something that I was like, this will be amazing. So I was talking to someone saying, hey, this might work out. This, you know, I'll, I'll take the day off. This is going to work out. And then it didn't work. And I was like, oh, bummer. That would have been great. But I was like, okay, Lord, this isn't my plan. You've got something better that I thought this would be great, but okay, whatever. So I was able to get a lot done at work. My sermon was already done. I was pounding on something else, getting it done. And then I was like, okay, I've got some time to go visit someone. And then I was like, you know what? I've got an hour free. Let me use this hour. I got a friend in the area. So I stopped and said, hey, let's hang out. All right, let's hang out. And as soon as we kind of got together, the person said, find it interesting that you wanted to hang out with me. I've been meaning to talk to you for the last two weeks. Oh, it was a great conversation. He's the one that guides us. He's the one that empowers us as we listen to him. So that's a little bit of the five aspects of the Holy Spirit. And again, what we will do in the next year and a half, we're going to talk about a lot of these at depth. Let me give you, as the Evangelical Free Church, we have a statement of faith. Here is what our statement of faith says about the Holy Spirit. It'll be up here. We believe in the Holy Spirit, in all that He does, glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. See, look at I love that. The number one thing is about glorifying Jesus. He convicts the world of its guilt, He regenerates sinners. And in him, they are baptized into union with Christ and adopted as heirs in the family of God. He also indwells, illuminates, guides, equips, and empowers believers for Christ-like living and service. I love that. That's a great statement of that. So let's take a look at our passage at hand. Jesus tells them to wait. Luke turns to the words of Jesus that he just finished in his first volume, the Gospel. Remember, he wrote the Gospel according to Luke. Jesus appears to the eleven in Luke 24. And here, I love the involvement of the Trinity. The Father calls the Son to heaven. And from there, the Spirit is sent as their ambassador the same way as the Father sent Jesus in the incarnation as an ambassador. So here the, Jesus says you need to wait. Wait in Jerusalem. 
This will be the starting point as prophesied in Joel chapter 2. All of this is connected. And that's where the Holy Spirit will come in connection with on Mount Zion and Jerusalem. The new messianic age is about to happen here. And it will begin in Jerusalem upon the Spirit's arrival, so they must wait for God's timing. And that's important. We've got to wait for God's timing because they're anxious. They're excited. We'll see this in a moment. They've got other things in mind. John's baptism was an immersion into water, signifying repentance and forgiveness. When baptism happens, it signifies, guess what? You've died to yourself and repentance of sin and it was used to call the nation at the time when john the baptist was there to get right with god jesus uses the same terminology here that the spirit would introduce a new age of power a new covenant and this would be baptism with the holy spirit and again i'm going to talk more about what baptism the holy spirit is and as we see it happen in different aspects of the book of acts at different times of the redemptive story so here's what i wrote down baptism of the holy spirit an immersion into god's salvation for those who have faith in jesus and into the new messianic reality identified with the spirit taking up residence in all believers and i've got of course romans chapter 8 there christians when we become a christian we are baptized in the spirit and we'll learn more about that as we look at different aspects. In fact, we'll study this more when we get to chapter 2. If you peek at chapter 2, this is when Pentecost happens. This is when the Holy Spirit comes. This is when they look at Joel chapter 2. And we'll look at the later outpourings of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. We will see that all Christians have the Holy Spirit and have been baptized with Him. Also, Christians can have different experiences with the Holy Spirit. So we all have the Holy Spirit in us, we will see, but we can have different experiences and different empowerments depending on your walk with God and the sin in your life. The mission of Jesus to the nations is to be completed by the church, but they must be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. And to do that job, God is about to fulfill his promises as spoken of in the Old Testament. Let's take a look now at the next verse. Verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They're excited. The disciples assume restore the kingdom of Israel means that the Spirit's arrival when it comes in Jerusalem will be accompanied by heaven's armies, many angels, and the restoration of Israel in their political power and get rid of Rome and now Israel will be the main place. So their focus is on political power, not the spiritual significance of the situation. They're still stuck in the misunderstanding that political liberation and the defeat of the Romans with the, the placement of the Jewish rule in Israel is the main focus that God has and what Jesus is about. Jesus did not come to restore political power. 
but spiritual power instead to God's people. The Messiah has come to provide spiritual restoration rather than victory over the nations. This is not about restoring their kingdom, but instead their role, their job to be a witness to the nations. Because they're thinking, now it's finally time. He is the king, and now when the Spirit comes, we will grab swords, and we're going to reign, and this is going to be awesome. He's not about restoring their kingdom, but calling them to their role to be a witness. I'm not just going to restore you. I'm going to release you. It's a time for witness. To restore is their main vocation. Their main job is to be a light and a witness. And guess what? The same is for you and I. Our main job is to be a light and a witness. Now let's look at verse 7. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has sent by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Jesus, his response corrects the failure of their understanding by addressing it from a time perspective. This is not the time. They've got the wrong time in mind. Their question is totally valid. They want this to all be done. Their question is valid, but at that occasion, it's not the right time. They should have been focused on the mission of God that he is going to inaugurate through the Holy Spirit. Not for the events associated with the end of the time. They're thinking, all right, this is it. The coming of the Spirit is for the mission of the church rather than for the restoration of Israel. Oh, at his second coming, and we'll talk about that, it's going to be glorious. There will be a final vindication and restoration. That will all come. And the result of the Holy Spirit is about to be there. Now let's finish the verse. And you will be, this is future, you will be, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The result of the Spirit's presence and power will help them be a witness. A witness to the world. And this is one of the central themes of Acts and fulfills Israel's task. Again, they want restoration of their kingdom, but Jesus is like, no. This is about, I'm giving you a job. I'm giving you a task to do. And the task is to bless the world with the beauty of the message of Jesus. And the Spirit's commission to the apostles leads the church on this mission, which we will see then fulfilled in the rest of Acts. Jesus gives a missionary strategy. So let's take some time and do this. I've tried to go around and hand out some of the calendars. Andre, you've got a stack of them. Raise your hand if you did not get one of these calendars. I'd like everyone to have one of these. So raise your hand up. Andre will walk around and give this to you. On the top of this calendar that we give out every month is a calendar that we use to pray for our missionaries as we take time to pray for them, think about what they're doing. But on the top, I've got a verse, the verse we just read. 
And I've got it color-coded for you. I want to work through the strategy of what Jesus is doing so you can kind of see what this verse is about. And we will see this is basically the outline of the book of Acts. It starts in Jerusalem. Chapters 1 through the end of 7. Just into like verse, chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Then 8... You can go up to 15, or you can just go into 8. Kind of that's where it spreads out even more. And then, following, it, it goes further to the end of the book. So let's take a moment and look at strategy. Jesus maps out the trajectory. He maps out his strategy. From a relatively similar place where they are living currently... Same people, same food, same language, same culture... And how it grows to different cultures. The missionary strategy of Jesus is to have the gospel from local to regional to global. So let's look at the strategic points that Jesus maps out here. Strategic point number one, Jerusalem. And for us, we have this here in the color red. And we'll talk about this in a moment here, the color red. Same place, same culture. This is the same area that you live in, your neighborhood. Missions begins by bringing the gospel where you are, your home and your own people. So the strategy of Jesus was, let's begin right here. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit. You're going to be filled with power, and it's going to happen right here. We as a church do a variety of things. We do it right here. In fact, if you would take a look at this picture, hopefully I got these pictures. Okay, when I went to my great aunt's funeral, her father was one of the charter members of Maranatha Church. And through some of the pictures they had, I was looking at some of, some of your grandparents that, that have been part of the church for long. Look at this picture. 1949, we had VBS. Isn't that pretty cool? Maranatha, we're about caring for our people right here. It's been a part of our history. Take a look at the next picture. Here's one of, from last year or the year before. We still do VBS. Pastor Aaron, are we doing VBS this year? Yep. What are the dates? Do you... June 17th through 21st. All right, so take a look at me. We're going to continue the strategy of Jesus by beginning right here. I encourage you, Bring your kids, bring your neighborhood, come, let's fill this place so they can be hearing about the beauty of Jesus. Our church is about doing this, caring for our own people. We've done this as a church. Strategy point number two, Judea and Samaria. Same place, but different culture. We're going to see this soon as the church begins. They're they're gathering together. It's going to be the same people, their neighborhoods. Soon it's going to be the same people, but they're going to have different cultures now. They're stretching out. Missions brings the gospel to the surrounding area where you live. So for them, Judea was geographically close and culturally near what they were like. But Samaria was geographically close, yet culturally different. So in our area, we're going to find people that might be a little different. Here in the book of Acts, we will see and read about Gentiles now. 
You got the Jewish people. This is where it began. They're, they turn, they see the Messiah, they realize those who re- realize, accept him as the Messiah. He's the anointed one, the Christ. Now, Gentiles will accept the message of Jesus. And that will get a little complicated as they have to scratch their heads and go, okay, now they've got Gentiles in here. Do they adapt to the Jewish customs? And we'll see this in chapter 15. We have done the same here. As I mentioned, my great aunt's father was a charter member of the church. When Maranatha began, right away, they were about reaching Barron County. So here's a picture that I got from that funeral. I think I got a picture of him. Can you go? Yeah, so we had, there he is. It says, Dad speaking. We have an Indian reservation in Barron County. Go to the next picture. So this, I think, is on Marshall Street, right? Look at the church. Maranath has always been about reaching our own kids. You bet. Making sure they know about Jesus. We've got Awana. We've got Sunday School. I encourage you, if you want, I'm sure Pastor Tony wouldn't mind if you just hung on at youth group one night to check it out. We're reaching our kids. Reaching our people. But we're also, we've always been about, that's 1951, I had to get the date in there. We're about reaching people in our area, but maybe a different culture. Strategic point number two. Missions brings the gospel to surrounding area where you live. But what do we do today? Our church doesn't really have a ministry to the Indian population, but what ethnic group do we have a ministry to right now? The Somali population. I think I've got another picture here of the Somali population. We have the well ministry. This was a few years ago where OTNO invited some pastors to come and meet with the Islamic leaders. Uh, their, their ministers are called imams. And uh, we, we had a meal with them. And I just jumped in with them. You know me, Crazy Cody. And I'm amazed they let me eat with them. But it was great. So this is a ministry that we have. We are reaching to the Somali population. And I will encourage you, if this is something you're like, I didn't know about that. We're going to hear about this the well ministry in the future year, but if, if that's something you feel like, I'd love to get involved. We have many people in our church that help with the sewing ministry. Carrie, I don't see her here. She, she helps with the sewing ministry. We've got people here helping with English as a second language. If, if you can speak better than me, because I don't know if I speak good or well. I speak good, speak well. Anyways, what, you know, if you're better at that than I am, great, help out. So we are doing that as a church. Strategic point number three. The ends of the earth. Different place, different culture. Missions brings the gospel to the far lands, to different cultures of this world. All people in all places. So when you hear ends of the earth, think all people in all places. This is what we call missions. And I've got a picture here of I think, Mike, you're in this picture here. There, yeah, there we go. Yeah, those are root beers. Don't freak out. Or Cokes. That's what they drink. You don't want to just drink in water out of a cup. So we're drinking that, and uh, there we are. We're in Africa. That was a privilege for a few of us to go to Africa to meet with the Robertsons and care for them. A missionary, we're not missionaries. Listen to this. 
A missionary is one who crosses into a different culture, different food, different language. You and I, we look the same, we smell the same, we eat the same, we talk the same, we say out and about and about the same, you know, we're, we're, yeah, that's who we are. A missionary leaves their land, their culture, and goes to that. Missions extends across ethnic, religious, and geographical barriers. Missions. The missionary strategy of Jesus consists of taking the materials that Jesus taught and spoke of, and now empowered by the Spirit, to go on mission. So, Jerusalem is Acts chapter 1 through 7. Judea Samaria is Acts chapter 8 into 12. And then to the ends of the earth is the rest of Acts. Ends of the earth is the reference to the farthest reaches of the planet earth. Some people who like to kind of look at the Bible and go, oh, there's a bunch of errors, and they go, well, they didn't go to the ends of the earth because they didn't, you know, they didn't get on Columbus's boat and go around and tell all the, the Indians in, in America. Guess what? It got here, right? The message continues. The ends of the earth means the far reaches made up of Gentiles. Wherever people may be, that's where the message is. So take a look at your prayer calendar. What we have done is map this out for you as you pray. And our encouragement is that every day you would pray for a specific ministry that we are involved in, that we support. Sometimes we are actively involved in, like the Well Ministry, Arrowhead Bible Camp, Awana. When Awana's coming up, you'll be praying for that. Youth Ministry, all the stuff here. But sometimes it's stuff that we are involved in with letters. And we'll talk here in a moment about what that looks like. So red is local. Look at some of the ministries that we got there. Then blue is our whole county, spread out a little bit. Like day one, I continue to ask you to pray for law enforcement. We, we have the best law enforcement in all of Wisconsin. That's recorded too, so keep that down. But be praying for them. Praying for the different ministries that we got. Salvation Army. More and more we are helping People And I love, again, Salvation Army, ringing bells and stuff. I wish we did that all year long because we use so much of them. I get calls almost every week. Hey, we got someone, you know, they got no place to go. I'm grateful that people rung bells so that way if we as a church knew it, Salvation Army can put them up for a night in the hotel and we can figure out what's the plan for them to help them. So blue is all the areas outside of this and we'll get to talk about these as we go through the book of Acts. And then green are what we would officially call like missionaries, those who've left the culture, those who have gone to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 13 through 28. So that's the strategic plan of Jesus. All right, let me as quickly as I can end with this. What, take a look at your calendar still one time, sorry, I didn't, should have said that. What strategic point or area do you think God is calling you to be a witness in? Take a look at that. Not all of you have passports yet, but we're all called to be a witness. Is it possible that the Lord would call you to do ministry as we study the book of Acts to empower you to go out and do something? Well, first, let me say this. We must begin here. We must begin in Jerusalem. 
our Jerusalem by taking care of our own people. And for most of us, our mission field is right here. So I have no problem saying we all are entering our mission field. Not all of us are missionaries in, in the proper sense because we're not all leaving our culture and learning different languages. But we're all entering a mission field. What mission field is God calling you into? And I love that our church reaches out to our own and cares for our own people here. Then, if the Lord calls you to move beyond that, go with His power. How do we help launch a worldwide event of missions? By listening, hearing His calling, and being sent ones to go forth, empowered by the Spirit. How do we reach to a culture that's different than our own? It's very easy for us to do in our own, and I, I, I definitely don't want to be the church that all we do is care for our own, care for our own. We don't want to be the, the great bread bake shop that's, we got all these great pastries and bread, and the door is always locked, and everyone can look through the window and see our goodies, and we're just feasting, and the world doesn't get it. We want to share. How do we do this? Let me give you a few pointers in application here. Forgot to grab the book. I'm sorry I didn't get a picture. I've got one, I got two of them in my office. It's called Operation World Book. Get a book like that. It covers every country, what's happening in missions, how, what population percentage uh, knows Jesus, what doesn't, the history of it, some of the main missionaries there. Get a book about the world. And I'll, I'll, I'll get it up here a couple times as we talk about missions in the future here. Pray. Pray that the Lord would continue to do His work. Pray that Jesus would be the center of the message. Where is it here? Got to look at green, date, number, where are we at here? Right here, look at 17th of February. Right now, Anthony and Jennifer are at a church. They just sent out a prayer request. The people around there are being confused and I would say duped by a false message, the prosperity gospel message. The focus is not Jesus. The focus is you. You're amazing. Did you know that? And God wants to bless you with wealth, with power, and fancy pizza parties. That's my kind of life, right? Throw in a keg of root beer and it's going to be awesome. Listen. The message is Jesus. So be praying for them as they deal with that. Pray that Jesus would be the center message and method in this world. And I would encourage you, adopt a people group or a missionary. And we'll give you different options to do that. We'll give you different ways to, to care for missionaries in the future here. From your home, you can be praying. From your home, you can be a part of Operation Christmas Child. How many have heard of Operation Christmas Child? We all should raise our hand. Another thing you can do from home is encourage missionaries, either financially support, write letters, send emails. Now, instead of writing letters that would take six months to get there, you can just zip them an email. You can give them an actual phone call from around the world. Pray and write letters to the persecuted church. We'll talk about the voice of the martyrs. In fact, we're going to cover like 50 people in our sermon series here. 
Next week will be William Wilberforce. Then we've got George Mueller coming up and a couple other. When we get to our first, in the Bible, martyr, we're going to start talking about the martyrs in church history. But not just in church history past, but even current stories of martyrs. So, pray much from your home. Second, earn much. Give generously. Give generously to the work of God. Consume little and hoard nothing. And some of you need to hear that. When you die, it's done. All that stuff you acquired, no. Put it into things that are worth the kingdom worth. Use your skills. Heart before skill, I'm big on that. Heart before skill, if you don't have the right heart. Eh. Use your skills and talents for the kingdom. And I encourage you, get a passport. Because we're going to start doing more mission trips. We're going to be talking about the France team here soon and what they're going to be doing. Encourage them, support them, but I also encourage you. And the last thing here is this. Ready, get them ready in the word. Ready and entrust your children to God. Release them. Wouldn't it be cool if some of your kids went into the mission field? Wouldn't it be great if some of them went into ministry? In fact, Tony and I were just recently talking about someone were like, you know what, let's just get this person involved in ministry right now. Why, why are we waiting? Let's start doing it right now. Let me close with this as the worship team's getting ready to come up. John Wesley. In 1738, back in England, after he was like, oh, that didn't work. Thought I was going to do ministry. He attended a public reading of the book of, anybody? Romans. And experienced, this is what he wrote down, God working in the heart through faith in Christ. See, before he did it without faith in Christ. He just did it to do it. God was working in his heart through faith in Christ. He wrote this down. Getting goosebumps. His, this is a famous line. I felt strangely warmed. I felt I did trust Christ. Christ alone for salvation and assurance and was given to me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and he saved me. I then testified openly to all that were there what I now felt in my heart. Finally, Wesley surrendered to what the Spirit was doing. Without Christ in the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, John Wesley was in, in an ineffective minister a powerless witness. You must have Christ. You must have Christ to make it in this world and to do what we're about to do and experience and see and learn in the book of Acts. So it's my cry to you. Trust in Christ. He alone is your hope and salvation. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your great love. 
the beauty of Christ. And I thank you that, and we're going to learn this next week, I, I'm so glad, Jesus, that you left. That sounds crazy. Because without you leaving, the Spirit would have come. But now, we have the Spirit dwelling within us. So that we, through your power, can glorify Christ. So we can experience conviction and repentance and conversion. So that we can be adopted as your children. So that we can then be full of power and empowered to do what you've called us to do as a church. So Lord, I do something very bold, but something we should do daily. I lay my life at your feet. Do with it whatever you want. I lay my family at your feet. Do with it what you want. And Lord, we lay our church. Expand our ministries. Maybe we're supposed to go back to the Indians and care for them. Maybe we're supposed to care more for the homeless. Maybe we don't know. Whatever you want, Lord, guide our church. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Stand and join us in our last few songs.